Hi everybody and uh, welcome back to Deserts of Plenty. My name is Ralph. Uh, Deserts of Plenty is a podcast about making our way in this crazy world. In a world where we're inundated with calories but are lacking in nutrition. Awash in information but devoid of knowledge and facts. And everywhere you go there's experiences to be had of all kinds but we're lacking in connection. In short, all the things that make our lives more, I guess, pleasurable or easy or enjoyable are killing us. I mean, uh, there's just a huge epidemic of loneliness, disconnection. It's interesting, um, Japan seems to be about a decade ahead of us. And uh, I remember reading, you know, maybe like 15 years ago about how Japanese, like uh, younger adults were not having sex anymore. And I was like, that's bizarre. What's going on? And then about a decade later, that started happening here. The rates of, um, I guess, you know, the sexual culture, whatever, that the rates of sex in younger people started to decline, uh, probably for the first time since the uh, invention and mass marketing of the birth control pill. Uh, I don't know about that, but that seems likely. Um, and uh, another thing that I uh, was reading about that's happening in Japan is uh, particularly older people are committing petty crimes so that they can go to jail. And the reason they do that is because they are so hungry for a community. And the only way they can get one is to, you know, break the law. And by breaking the law, they're put into jail and then they have a community. There even, was even one story I was reading about a, an elderly man who stole a bike and rode the bike to the police station and turned himself in so that he could go to jail and um, be with people. And... Um, I think about that as like, that's so awful and yet makes so much sense. And I think that's likely where we're headed. I mean, there's just, it's like one of the things now, like the, you know, how your social circle, how that is almost as big a predictor of your mortality or one's mortality as smoking is because, uh, you know, loneliness and being cut off from social ties. Uh, I can only imagine how awful that must be. And uh, in, in the world, there are these zones called blue zones, um, the, uh, like the island of Crete. There's, a, I think, Okinawa or one of the Japanese islands where people, it's very, very common for people to live into their hundreds or much more common than it is in the, in the, in the rest of the world. And uh, so one of the, one of the, I guess the main um, content or reason for this happening was diet. Uh, high fish diet, uh, good oils, plant-based diets. Uh, but the other thing that's common in these blue zones where people live to be centenarians is um, they don't discard old people. You know, the, they are part of the community. They're revered or at least respected. You know, they're not tossed aside. They're not like burdens. I'm like, ugh, here comes someone in their 80s. Um, so, yeah, I think... The idea that in Canada, North America, in a few years, people will commit crimes solely so that they can go to a jail, prison, and have a community of people, I don't think is so far-fetched. Um, so today, what I wanted to chat about was uh, is the, the idea of whether something is, is good or bad. You know, so, uh, an event that happens to you, is that good or bad? There's this... Um, and I'm pretty sure it's Chinese allegory or story or um, saying, I guess, that goes like this. There was a, a man, a, Jap a Chinese farmer, 
And uh, one day his horse broke its rope and ran off. And the villagers went, oh, that's bad. And he said, we'll see. And a few days later, his horse came back. And his horse came back leading four wild colts. And the villagers said, that's great. And he said, we'll see. And a few days later, his son was trying to break one of these wild colts. And the colt threw him, and the boy broke his leg. And the villagers said, oh, that's what a rotten stroke of luck. And he said, we'll see. And a few days later, the army came through and took every able-bodied man to be into the army. But they didn't take his son because his leg was broken. And they said, what luck? And he said, we'll see. And uh, yes, yeah, so there's like just that idea of something that happens now. You don't know, really, if it's going to be good or bad. Uh, until we see what happens. Now, of course, I'm not talking about the real terrible things that happen to us. You know, the death of loved ones or serious medical conditions. Although I know from my own life, and I've talked about this before, two of the greatest things that happened to me in retrospect, which were terrible at the time, was being around 17 and being diagnosed as an epileptic. Uh, But that meant I had to take care of myself and do regular blood work and see a physician once a year. And so that led to catching things that might have gone on to cause me great harm later in life. But I found them early. And so they were, I, I was able to change my diet. And now I'm 56 and I'm not on a single medication. And I and I know that's rare because I was at my doctor's office. This is actually a few years ago, like five years ago. And my doctor is a teaching doctor. And so I always see a resident first. And the resident asked me to see my pills. And I was like, I'm not on any pills. And she was flabbergasted is the word. She was like, what? what? You're the only patient I've seen. Because uh, it's something like um, adults in their 50s now, at least in the States, and it's probably the same in Canada, are on something like five different prescription medications. Uh, basically, everybody's on a statin and a blood pressure medication and whew, metformin for for, di- for type two diabetes and or insulin or all these things. So um, yeah, so that's 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 what um, that's what I wanted to talk about is is when something bad happens to us or seemingly bad. And again, I'm not talking about terrible terrible things like the death of loved ones or or facing your own mortality. Uh, coming to grips with it. I'm talking about losing a job, um, a mild diagnosis, uh, a breakup, a have to move, um, running into people who are jerks. Because uh, the story I want to just talk about is um, the Black Death. And if you are unaware of the Black Death, basically in the mid 14th century, in the 1350s or 60s, uh, the bubonic plague ravaged all of Europe for about two years. Um, actually, it was a series of plagues. They, they almost even more terrible, <laughs> because the first plague went through, wiped out about uh, some estimates are half of the population, uh, hundred million people. Like it was just unbelievable. Like whole villages would be wiped out, and you can read some stories of that time, and it's just horrific. Uh, what was going on and what people lived through. Like nothing in my life will ever be as bad as that. I mean, I can't see it. I guess I shouldn't say that. I'm not dead yet, but it seems unlikely. And um, yeah, just as a side note, one way to practice gratitude uh, that I do is I think about all the terrible things that aren't happening to me. You know, it's, it's easy to dwell on, you know, liking someone and they don't like you back or breakups or whatever. 
but um, it's also enlightening to think about, well, you know what? I don't live in a war zone. Um, I don't, I'm not facing, you know, a chronic or mortally, mortal injury, mortal illness that I know of, right? I um, don't have to think about where my next meal is coming from. Like so many things that are not true of other people in the world, right? I can drink water and I know I'm not going to die from it. Like these are things that are not true of other people. And I'm not saying that we should be happy because other people have it worse. It's not about relativism, but it's just about when if you need to think about something to be grateful for, one exercise is to think about all the terrible things that aren't happening to you. So anyway, oh yeah, the Black Death. And uh, I just, uh, just another side note, just, you know, it came back for like every decade or 25 years, it came back for a while. And because older people had some level or measure of immunity, when it came back, it mostly killed young people and children, which, again, just horrific. And there, there are stories, uh, oh, <laughs> you know, of parents, you know, basically nailing their children inside the house so they die alone so that they don't get the parents sick. It's just, it's just awful. Um, so as bad as that was, and, I, and I'm not here to say that that was a good thing that it happened, um, because we'll see. But at, Europe at that time was in the grips of feudalism, and feudalism was an economic policy or economic uh, government in which the land was owned by very few people, and peasants worked that land. And because there were way more peasants than there, were, than there was available land, you know, the, the landowners would could treat them as miserably as they wanted. And people worked basically just in, they got enough food just to stay alive. And they weren't able to save anything. And, you know, if somebody broke a leg, if the father broke a leg, the whole family was out and a new family was in. And, and they would work the land and that family would probably go on to die. Uh, just brutal, nasty conditions. Um, there was even uh, a, a practice called the prima nocta, which was the... When, when a new maiden that was getting married uh, on the Lord's land, he had the right to spend the nuptial night with her. So he would have sex with all the maidens and probably fathered uh, many of the children in his own... Anyway, that's a, a side point. But the point is that labor was so cheap and so abundant that these small number of people controlled everything. And without the Black Death... There, there was no compelling reason that that economic situation would have changed. But what had happened after the Black Death went through and fields remained untilled because there was no one to work them, suddenly labor became expensive. And the lords of these lands had to start paying more money and more resources for people to come and work the lands. And, and because of that, you started to get a middle class. And that middle class, as it started to get richer, they started turning their attention to science and literature. And then you got the Renaissance that happened and the influx of information you, you know, from the ancients that had been lost to much of Western Europe. You know, that, that also coincided with the fall of Byzantium, but also that just the influx of stuff, and stuff, knowledge from the, from the ancient Greeks, ancient Romans, um, a lot of that, you know, translated and saved by um, by Muslims. So, you know, the, the Moors, I think, specifically, and, and a lot of other um, uh, Muslim peoples, a lot of that stuff would be lost. 
So, and so as a direct result of the Black Death, you get uh, a middle class, you get a turning towards science and art and literature and knowledge, and the Renaissance comes and then the Enlightenment comes after that. And then again, people have leisure and they are starting to think about their situation and you get philosophy and then you eventually get the beginnings of what will become democracy prior to you know the english revolution in the 1600s and the death of charles the first um the the thought was that you know the the king was anointed by god and the power came from god through the king to the people and Charles I basically invaded his own country and went to war against his own people and he was tried for treason. And he said, I can't be tried for treason. I'm the king. You know, I, I'm, my power is given to me from God. And Cromwell and the others said, no, 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 no. We give you the people. It comes from the power from the people. And they convicted him and they executed him. And then you, that was the, the British Revolution. And, and after that, things changed. The French Revolution came later, the American Revolution and that was the seeds of democracy that power did not come from divine god to a person it came from the people up which we still have at least for the time being we'll see when it goes so once again i'm not here to say that the black death was a blessing what i'm saying is that we don't know all the repercussions from everything until the dust settles right we don't know what certain things will be good and what certain things will be bad again if you were alive in the 1350s it was horrific, and I am not here to say anything um, that it wasn't or that it was worth it. Again, not none of that. Just that um, it's hard to think of anything. It's hard to think for me. I find it difficult to think in terms of absolute black and white. That something is wholly good or wholly bad. It's a mixed bag. And it might be bad for some places or good for some places and bad for others and vice versa. It may be neutral in some places. But this idea that we seem to have this dichotomy of thinking of like good, bad, and that's it. There's no middle ground is uh, dangerous in my view because it leads to tribalism. And, you know, where are we right now? But we're tribing up like crazy. And, you know, the extremes of both sides are polarizing everybody until uh, the people in the middle are, they don't know what to do. Um, and, uh, anyway, that's my thought about today is, uh, we'll see, you know, good, bad, we'll see, uh, you know, when the, 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 I can't remember the man's name, person's name, the team's name that invented or added the like book on Facebook, but their whole point to doing that was they thought, oh, it'd be nice. You know, someone put something up, someone says, oh, I like that. And they, and they, and they acknowledge like a compliment and little did they know and they, invented that that it would become so tied to people's ego and that it would be a, it would lead directly or indirectly to depression among younger people and suicide and, and self-harm and all these terrible terrible outcomes the law of unintended consequences and that goes good or bad you know the, the law of unintended consequences didn't see that coming and yet there it was um you know everybody thought i remember when the when the internet came started in the early 90s, everybody was like, this is new, it's great, it's going to be amazing. And uh, there was an interview with David Bowie at the time, and he was like, eh, we'll see. <laughs> it's an alien life form. I don't know. And interestingly, just on the, on the on the new technology, Aldous Huxley, who wrote Brave New World, who is 
that's probably my pick for the dystopic novel from the last century that most closely predicted the future. Uh, it was written about 100 years ago, if I recall correctly. There's an interview with him in the 50s, and he's talking about television. And Mike Wallace, from formerly of 60 Minutes, uh, no longer with us, great journalist, uh, was talking about television as a medium. And Huxley was like, you know, I don't know. It seems like it's power of persuasion and whatnot. And Mike Wallace is pushing back. He's like, it's great. It's like a teaching tool. We, and Huxley was like, sure it is now, but you can already see the beginning of advertising and how that sways people's minds. And, and he was like, what happens in the future if and when, you know, certain political ideologies capture the airwaves, to which Mike Wallace guffawed, like that's ever going to happen. Well, boy, oh boy, that Aldous Huxley, smart man, he predicted a lot. And that's exactly what we have today is, you know, media, especially in the States, where in the 80s and 90s was owned by dozens of companies, is now owned by six. There's six companies. And basically the same people serve on the boards of all of them. So, you know, I know people like to make a big show of there's a huge difference between Fox and CNN. But the one thing that they both have in common are common shareholders. And they're both making money for shareholders. And they both carry water, not for us, but for, you know, the richest people. You know, the number one advertiser on CNN is, I think, Pfizer. And, um, you know, I mean, <laughs> uh, this one might get some comments. Great. Okay, well, you know what? That's all I have for today. Just we'll see. You know, that's it. This is reserved judgment about the little things that happen that might first vex you. Like, okay, well, let's see, let's see what happens. I don't know. Uh, there's there's always another story to tell, another side to things. So that's it for me today. Uh, thanks so much for joining me on this crazy ride, and uh, I hope to see you again. Bye.